2: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace The time is now. The clock has finally ticked down on so-called cult mom, Lori Vallow. It all started. It's amazing. I was looking at my notes. I want to show you way back when... When I was writing about, as I called her then, Doomsday Cult Mom, now Cult Mom, Lori Vallow, and brand new husband, Chad Daybell. And at the very first thing I wrote was, have till Thursday to produce their children. That's how it all started. When these two children seemingly vanish into thin air, they go missing. Then we found out about this twisted cult that Lori Vallow uh, had become enmeshed in and her prophet lover turned husband, Chad Daybell. That's how it all started. When we couldn't find those children and the search was on and we speculated, are they being hidden away with some of the cult followers? Are they in some cave somewhere or some obscure home with the windows boarded up? And why? And actually, that's what we hoped. We hoped that as bizarre as it was, these children were somehow spirited away and were being kept by cult members, as horrible as that would have been. And then as the days, the weeks, the months passed, we realized they weren't being hidden, that somewhere, somehow, they were dead. All this happened while cult mom Lori Vallow and her new, I believe fourth, fifth, confusing husband, the prophet, as he calls himself, Chad Daybell, had gone to Hawaii and had literally danced on the beach after their wedding ceremony, taking wedding photos. You know how when you get married, a lot of people go stage photos on the beach. They actually did that. Now, it probably was normal to the people standing around them and watching them, but what those people didn't know is that back home, J.J. entirely had been brutally murdered and buried on the prophet Chad Daybell's property, actually at his pet cemetery. That's where the children were. Then we began to speculate and wonder and investigate, well, what about Tammy Daybell? She conveniently died right before their Hawaii wedding. Then the evidence began to unfold including Colt Mom Lori Vallow going on Amazon and buying a beach B-E-A-C-H wedding dress and rings before Tammy Daybell died. I mean, I'm sure when the jury heard that, their heads were just spinning. Long story short, it proceeded from there to an indictment for the both of them. Court wrangling, their trials were severed under the law, which means they were tried separately. The first to go to trial, cult mom, Lori Vallow, soon to follow, we believe in 2024, will be her husband, the prophet, Chad DeBell. We are waiting right now for finally, believe it or not, I'm looking back at these notes when we were still looking for J.J. entirely. Believe it or not, we've gone through investigation, indictment, and now sentencing. After a very long and torturous jury trial, so many people have been affected by what cult mom Lori Vallow and her husband, the prophet Chad Daybell, have done. There are dead bodies connected to these two. We still don't know the answer to those. But right now, all eyes trained on a courtroom courtroom. But with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now, Mark Tate is joining me from the Tate Law Group. Mark has tried many, many cases, including homicides, sadly, on the other side of the fence. Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist, joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. You can find her at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Chris McDonough is joining us, director of the Cold Case Foundation, former homicide detective with nearly 300 homicides. Under his belt, those investigations, many of which ended in a guilty verdict. I found him at the interview room on YouTube, and you can find him at coldcasefoundation.org. But first, I want to go to a very well respected journalist, host of Hidden True Crime Podcast and YouTube channel, Lauren Mathias. Lauren, we're getting a sentencing today of cult mom, Lori Vallow. I expect it to be life behind bars, hopefully to run consecutively. So if she paroles out on one, she's still got the next one to deal with. But all eyes are now looking beyond this courtroom as we wait for sentencing onto the trial of Chad Daybell. And I'm also curious about the attempt on the life of Brandon Boudreaux. But first, what can you tell me about the prophet?
3: Oh, I can tell you a lot about the prophet Chad Daybell. You know, um, I'm actually in Rexburg right now, Nancy, and we have been to his house. I have spoken to jurors who, who now are dedicated to making sure we have justice, not just for Lori Vallow Daybell, but for her, her sidekick, her partner in crime, Chad Daybell. Hey,
2: hold on right there, Lauren. I'm gonna I'm gonna come right back to you, but Dr. Angie, I want you to listen especially to what Laura Matthias is saying because Cult Mom and all of her kooky beliefs was still harmless until she got with Chad Daybell. Then people started dying. Okay, so that that Shingali effect he had on her is something I'd like you, Dr. Angie, to analyze. Mark Tate, I want you to think about co-defendants under the law, and Chris McDonough. We've seen a lot of murders where. Usually, the man masterminds it, and the woman goes along with it. What? She can't call nine one one? Jump in, McDonough.
0: Yeah, you know, in this uh, saga here, Nancy, as you've been talking about it from day one, uh, this is a situation where the two personalities come together, and quite frankly, she seems to be the more dominant one over this, you know, false prophet, uh, Chad, and it's really been interesting. Uh, to see that he's been just kind of you know tagging along, but he has a tremendous yep. amount of influence.
2: But what?
3: Okay, well, what has been done jump in, to get Nancy? back on his satellite? Yes, please do. So, so I actually think it was Chad's belief system. Chad was a doomsday author. Chad had a scale where he rated people light to dark. Chad would decide if somebody was a zombie. And he is the one who labeled Tylee, 16-year-old Tylee Ryan, Lori's daughter, a zombie, calling her dark, calling her evil. Chad was the one setting the stage with his belief system, with his books. He was the speaker at these conferences, these preparing a people conferences, where he would talk about the end of the world and how we would have white tents and we would have to shoot the zombies that came. And so I, I actually think that, you know, thank goodness Lori Vallow Daybell is being sentenced today. And thank goodness, you know, I, I think you're right, Nancy. I think that we'll see let's hope for life, let's hope for two lives. But we also, in order to get justice for these children, for these spouses that have lost their lives, we need to make sure we see this through until next year and see and, and be there for Chad Daybell's trial too, because these two, these two what they have done is horrendous.
2: You know, um, I think I, Nancy I'm hearing is Laura Mathias speaking, who is there in town. I, I guess that's Mark Tate. Go ahead, Mark.
4: Yeah, I was going to just uh, jump in for a moment. You had mentioned something about a Svengali effect that this Chad Daybell had. And I think it really is interesting because, you know, we just saw uh, one of uh, Charles Manson's followers uh, paroled. And I think that, you know, these types of cult leaders are known to be very charismatic. And they make the people who are working with them believe they're doing what they're doing they're doing voluntarily in support. And so it really is a control situation. And we have layered on top of that with Chad Daybell, this underpinning uh, of his uh, religious beliefs. And of course, everything he was saying is, Can you please stop Mark Tate right there? Yeah.
2: Tate, Tate, yes, no, yes or no. Have you ever given birth Mark Tate?
4: No, but it's starting to feel like it in this interview.
2: Okay, no, no, that was a one, that was just a one word answer because I don't give a flying fig who Svengali is, but when you are a mother and you would go along with somebody's idea for you to kill your children, you can go straight to H E double L. All right because I'm not buying it. I'm commenting
4: on his manipulative effect. I think he's clearly skilled at it, and I think she was open to it, sadly, and I think, obviously, she's convicted. And you're right, she should go uh, absolutely forever.
2: Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible is Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Crime stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, I want you to listen uh, to our friend Rick Leventhal joining us from Fox. Take a listen to our cut too. still more questions
0: than answers in the disappearance of an Idaho brother and sister. 7-year-old Joshua and 17-year-old Ty Lee haven't been seen since September. The kid's mother, Lori Vallow, and her new husband left for Hawaii about three months ago. Vallow and her new husband are members of a religious group preparing for the biblical end of times, and they've been surrounded by sudden deaths. Her brother killed her estranged husband last July, then he died in December. And her new husband's former wife died in October.
6: Authorities served a search warrant on Daybell's home Tuesday, leading to the discovery of what now police confirm is two sets of human remains in the backyard.
7: New developments and somber news coming out of the Lori Vallow case. Relatives of the Vallow family say that the human remains found at the Idaho home of Vallow's husband Chad
2: Daybell are, in fact, Vallow's children, J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan. You know, it's really hard if you're trying to uh, parse words and uh, split hairs. Who is the mastermind between these two? But burying the children's remains in Chad Daybell's backyard. I I, I don't know what kind of mastermind devised that but it wasn't that difficult for their remains to be found. We had to get enough PC, probable cause, to search his property. Cult mom, Lori Vallow, apparently shackled at the hands to the waist. Can't tell about her legs. And we heard at the beginning, we believe cult mom, Lori Vallow, may be elocuting. Is what they call it. which She has the right to elocution, which means she can take the stand or speak from where she is, and speak to the court about what she believes her sentence should be. If she does that, I expect her to try to show remorse, although if she does that, that's a real legal conundrum. If she expresses remorse about her part in the murders of her children, J.J. Tiley and Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy, an appellate court could look at that and say, well, she's admitted guilt, so we're not reversing this. We'll an all-star panel to make sense of what we heard right now. I don't know if it affected you guys the way it did me, but during those witness impact statements, I didn't know sometimes if I was going to cry, to be angry. I literally wanted to strangle cult mom Lori Vallow as the prosecutor described the way that Tylee was the murderer, especially the part when he pointed out yet again, which is already in um, autopsy reports, that there were stab marks in Tylee's pelvic area that were not consistent with dismemberment. In other words, he believes this teen girl, gorgeous young girl who was a mommy's girl, was stabbed dead. She was stabbed prior to dismemberment. And when I heard that, all I could think about is my little girl, Lucy. Um, Now, they did not seek the death penalty on Lori Vallow. Not sure why. But that said, let me go straight out to Mark Tate joining us from the Tate Law Group. I mean, right there. That would be a, a, a guaranteed life without parole, as far as I'm concerned. Go ahead.
4: Absolutely. You know, you were talking about the witness impact statements, the victim impact statements. I, I really I thought uh, Samantha William had a very powerful statement and you got to kind of think about it and let it sink in. But when she said, uh, I choose to forget you, I think that. um I think that really is powerful, and I think that's exactly uh, the kind of thing that's going to sink deep with uh, with that uh, Vallow woman. But, um, you know, I, I had thought that they did seek the death penalty, and this judge uh, said that he was preventing them from, from pursuing it uh, because they didn't timely enough make a discovery disclosure. And, you know, uh, it sure does seem like that this type of person uh, is the type of person who it seems like if we're going to have a death penalty in the United States criminal justice system, uh, this is is, a, is an instance in which it should uh, should be applied. And why uh, the state had to suffer the loss of pursuing that, I'm not sure. I know that this gentleman was a prosecutor before he well, was on the Lord bench.
2: Well, Lori Vallow had a speedy trial <laughs> demand.
4: Yeah. yeah. Lori Vallow well, had a speedy you know, trial uh, so, demand.
2: So, and so the, the result that of that, so to everybody that... To everybody is when the defendant files a speedy trial demand, you have to try the case within a certain amount of months or there's an automatic acquittal. So when it was Correct. ruled that there was a flaw in the notice of the DP death penalty and they had to either seek life without parole or drop the case. So, Mark Tate, you're absolutely right. I've got to tell you the way that Rob Wood, one of the prosecutors in this case, laid it out so calmly was very very persuasive now you heard mark tate uh mark tate high profile lawyer from the tate group joining us out of savannah i want he he mentioned um samantha Williams' statement let's take a listen to our cut seven exactly what he was describing
3: listen we
8: asked what's her name bory ryan that was a lie that was two husbands ago so as i searched what happened to your
1: previous husband we she told us that he had died from a heart attack. Lie. He died from being shot. I asked, are there children? I was told we will be empty nesters. That's a lie. The police ask us about missing children. You answer, the children aren't missing. They're safe and happy.
8: It's a lie. Your children, your poor children were dead and buried on Chad's property. You plan the murders of your own children and your previous husband. Why? Why plan something so heinous? And you are a liar, an adulteress, and a murderer.
2: Wow. You were hearing Samantha Grilliam speaking, uh, reading at points, crying at points, long sobs in between. Her statement, incredible, but there is more. I want you to listen to our cut eight. Now, this is Vicki Hoban. I want you to hear this. This is... uh,
8: you know what? I'll let her speak for herself. Listen to Vicki. Lori sits here convicted and prepped for prison. And let's be honest, the only question left is for how long Tammy lived her life. She supported her family in every way. And for you to turn her home where she lived and slept into a cemetery, her two innocent and beautiful children is one of the most horrific things I can think of. Mammy would have been horrified to know what you had done and it has broken us as a family. You are now going to pay the price, albeit never sufficient in this life. It's all that we can do. I hope that the life you live is filled with fear and that every day you are terrified. Just the way that beautiful Tylee lived in fear. For hers and Sweet JJ.
2: Wow, that was uh, Vicki Hoban speaking. And when Kay Woodcock began speaking, she listed out a series of numbers, which I didn't really know what she was talking about, but only she would know what those numbers were. Fourteen hundred days since I haven't seen J.J. uh, This day, that she had it all measured out, basically dissecting and chronologizing the time since the children first went. Missing, and they were missing for several months before they were ever reported missing. Because cop mom Lori Vallow kept lying about where they were. With me, All Star Panel Chris McDonough is joining us, Director Cold Case Foundation, former homicide detective, and star of the Interview Room on YouTube. Chris, thank you for being with us. You know the prosecutor there at the end, uh, Rob Wood, did something none of the other victim impact witnesses did. And I think it's because they couldn't bear to. I would make juries hear this. I didn't like it, but I would make them hear what happened to the murder victims. And in this case, little JJ, just seven, Tylee, a teen girl, 16, what they endured at the time of their deaths. And that literally made me want to strangle cult mom Lori Vallott, who, by the way, sat there and hid behind her lawyers and looked completely disinterested. One time, one time, Chris McDonough, I saw her very briefly wipe her face with a tissue. And oh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this, Chris McDonough, but the lead defense attorney was wiping sweat off his face throughout the sentencing throughout the victim impact statements. He was sweating bullets in that courtroom. But what did you make of when Rob Wood described what these two young people went through? No jury really wants to hear that, but they have to, Chris.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, Nancy, and it was riveting. Uh you know, I think one thing that the audience needs to always get your wait
2: a minute. Riveting well, Riveting. Yeah, I think I know, of a movie or a book as riveting. No, I, it made me sick to my stomach, Chris. No, I agree
0: 100%. That's where I was going here. We, one thing we don't need to forget is she She is a serial killer. And that, I love the impact statement comment where this is about a mother who killed her children and turned a home into a cemetery. That is power from that victim's family. And when we think about the horror that these children had to endure, the, uh, you know, the, the child that's dis- you know, cut apart, put into a plastic container, and then buried, and this poor little autistic child, this little boy whose last photograph is taken at, you know, your, uh, at Old Faithful, this, she is evil. To the core. I agree with you a thousand percent.
2: You know, when, when you said that, that last picture at Yellowstone, during COVID, of course, when you couldn't go to a hotel or fly, we rented this big old honking RV and took off across the country to Yellowstone. And those were some of the happiest days uh, when we were there as a family together, you know, camping, camping. Uh, cooking out on a fire. And I'm just thinking about those moments that she had with her children, knowing full well that she planned to murder them. And Dr. Angela Arnold, while she's there, Angela, Dr. Angie is a renowned psychiatrist. I call her Dr. Angie. But Dr. Angie, the thought that you are taking that picture I mean, I've got all ours framed all over the house of us at Yellowstone. And she knew at that time of that picture, she was going to kill them. She knew what was going to happen to JJ and Tylee.
7: You know, Nancy, that's why, that's why it's very important for us to realize that she is not capable of being rehabilitated. There is no rehabilitation in this woman's future. The, the, The mental health providers that evaluated her couldn't even come up with a diagnosis for her. Then we look at her today during the sentencing and we watch a woman who cannot cannot bring any remorse out of herself. No shedding of a tear, nothing. She can't bring any remorse out of herself. And the first step in rehabilitation, Nancy, is to acknowledge what you've done and to have feelings associated with what you've done so this woman is completely incapable of being rehabbed
2: yeah you know what dr angie i knew i knew you were going to catch that that in the psi pre-sentence investigation and there's always a pre-sentence investigation uh, in lo- most jurisdictions it's done by people at pardon and parole because they are experts at sentencing i knew dr angie was going to catch that when there was not even a plan of treatment for cult mom Lori vallow from bbc radio 4
4: britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god We've summoned something from this board. This
0: is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC
6: podcasts. If you dare.
2: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values of premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible. It's Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with christian affordable visit gcu.edu crime stories with nancy grace i'm hearing in my ear that laura matthias wants in about the autopsy
3: jump in lauren yeah thanks nancy i saw the autopsy photos i saw the children Uh, on the crime scene or what was left of them, what was left of Tylee's pelvis. I saw it. I saw the stab marks in her pelvis. I saw JJ's face and I saw the duct tape, chin to chin covering his mouth. So I assume he couldn't scream and I will never forget it. And I ran into a juror yesterday. They were out there at the memorial fence. And that juror is now in counseling because of what she saw during the trial. We sat there together. What happened? To those children, is beyond imagination. You can you can hear it over and over and over again, and when you see it, when you see it, the evil knows no bounds. And I just I just wanted to jump in and say that I will never forget seeing JJ and Tylie ever. And what happened to them?
2: You know, Lauren Matthias. Um, there were many many times, and, and this exact moment right now is bringing it back. That would be in front of a jury. Showing them crime scene photos, uh, couldn't show, typically couldn't show autopsy photos of people, including children's bodies, and describing it for them and eliciting testimony. And I would have to steel myself not to just break down and cry at the evil that can be committed on other people, much less children. Now, I'm thinking about highly and the stab wounds into her pelvis she was largely skeletonized there was some tissue left but that means that those stab wounds likely went through all the way to her bone um, and the way that she was disposed of but i've seen the bucket a photo of it a bucket of Full of basically, these children were rendered. Have you ever heard that phrase, Mark Tate? Uh, Mark Tate, veteran trial lawyer, joining us from the Tate Law Group out of Savannah. Rendering, rendering—that's what you what people do in slaughterhouses to animals. And they, they tear apart the body and try to get rid of it.
4: No, you're exactly right. You know, we hear uh, right up here, right up here, the uh, the world capital of fruitcakes is, uh, is Claxton. And they have lots of chicken rendering plants there as well. And you're right. It's absolute destruction of the entire body. And so not only did you have here this you know unbelievably vile, hateful, terrifying thing that's based on some kind of cult uh preaching or teaching, uh, but you have this effort to try to, I guess, encourage more rapid uh, um, decomposition of the body. So, you know, folks have talked about whether this person is going to be rehabilitated. That's clearly ludicrous. That can never happen. We're talking about is this sentence harsh enough? And, you know, really, it, it To me, any rational person sitting back, if we're going to have the death penalty, this is a case where that where the death penalty is absolutely warranted. And and it seems like it screams out for it. We don't have that here. And so the second best thing that we can have here for this woman uh, and and the husband that she she married, I guess, uh, is just absolutely, I think, uh, what uh, the abomination of desolation. Uh, where they're never heard from again, never thought of again, and and just absolutely uh, wallow uh, for the rest of their existence. Hold
2: on, Mark. i call it Mom Lori Vallow. I saw many times during this, Mark Tate, you're a veteran trial lawyer. She looked as if she were trying to hide over behind her lead attorney, all sunk down in her seat. And you see her hair's back right there. It got more and more like curtains covering her face during this. I'm going to have to ask Dr. Angie Arnold about that too. She's hiding from the truth because it is raining down on her like buckets like a storm and she's finally hearing from the people that couldn't testify in the trial go ahead
4: ordinarily this is a woman who clearly wanted attention thrived on attention and, and, and you know liked it a lot and now she's learning that this kind of attention is is bad for her and once this is over uh, i seriously think that uh, it will be a wonderful punishment for her to never be heard from again and know that no one listens to her ever again i think uh, you know the last thing we would ever wanna see uh, for this woman is any kind of more uh, aggrandization of, of this cult uh, or, or what this man did or how she fell victim to it. This is the kind of thing, and you know, Nancy, uh, I, I'm not the kind of trial lawyer that usually speaks with this kind of language with regard to cases. I always wanna talk about how the defendant is entitled to constitutional protections. Well, this woman had those. I like to talk about whether the death penalty serves a purpose, and you know, That frequently irritates you because you want to fight with me about defendants' rights and that type of thing because you're a prosecutor. I'm on the other side, usually. So uh, it's unusual, but this case is something that really sparks uh, hatred, uh, vitriol, anger. I I think not just in in the general public, but in the lawyers uh, who were defending her. I think in the lawyers who were trying her, I think this judge, which was probably pushed to his limit. Uh, in this matter to maintain an unbiased and disinterested approach, which I think he did. I disagree with keeping the cameras out of the courtroom and keeping high quality cameras out. I think that we're past that. But, um, you know, uh, I think it's a fascinating thing we're watching here. And uh, there's going to be another one coming up in Arizona before too long. Oh,
2: yeah. And not only in Maricopa County, but We've got Chad Daybell to worry about. You know, back to the the judge, uh, Judge Boyce, he reminds me so much of a judge i tried a a lot of cases in front of, Judge Alberson. He was taking copious notes, and he didn't interrupt throughout the whole thing. A few times he did, but rarely. But I like seeing him taking notes and actually having a question about the sentencing on grand theft. You know, the... When I first heard about the indictment to Chris McDonough, I was less than impressed by a grand theft charge being thrown in because I was concerned about the actual murders. But they were right. They were right because greed, greed, taking part in conspiring to murder Tammy Daybell's completely innocent woman. Oh, and Molly in New York, I love the way that you put up the photos of the victims in life. Because at trial, the jury doesn't get to see the victims in life. If anything, they'll see a crime scene photo or, in some cases, an autopsy photo. But when I was looking at those pictures of Tylee, just, you know, starting her life as a young teen, and that picture right there, specifically, brother and sister, so in love with each other, having so much fun. All their lives ahead of them. Having their own families and get-togethers and happy moments. Just look at little JJ's little snaggledy-toothed teeth. And it reminds me of my son, John David, of course, before his braces. All they had to look forward to. It's so young. And then the pictures of Tammy Daybell working as a librarian, working with underprivileged children, coming home from a long day thinking she was going to get a good night's sleep and never waking up after her body was dug up, exhumed, we find out she was asphyxiated, smothered, dead. And for what? For life insurance, proceeds, 400 thousand dollars, and continued Social Security benefits for these two? It was all about greed, which takes me back to that grand theft charge. Is just overwhelming. I mean, Chris McDonough, you've processed, investigated, handled over 300 homicides. To think of money as motive, how much more cold-blooded could she be?
0: You know, she is so past feeling, Nancy, to your point, that, you know, the seven deadly sins, right? Greed being one of them. This, She literally, while preaching a spiritual persona had made a deal with the devil and he came collecting after he required a prerequisite of those children's lives. And this is what makes her so, I think, um, challenging to understand because There she is dancing on the beach in Hawaii with her ukulele and the legs and all the stuff that comes along with that. And yet with inside of her mind and the individual with her, she knows that her child, both of her children have been one of them at least dismembered and buried. And yet she's just in this other place And it is driven by this unbelievable sense of, I want more. It's hard to understand. It certainly is. I
2: want more everything, Chris. I want more men. I want more sex. I want more power. I want more money. I want a different lifestyle without these children. And when Kate Woodcock described the way that cult mom Lori Vallow talked about little JJ as a, quote, demon... I mean, he, his little face just illuminated from inside. That was such a happy, happy child. I want you to hear Kay speaking in our cut
8: nine. Listen. She should have answered my calls. She should have spoken to me. I would have given her the money. She could have let JJ entirely live and had a million dollars. She could have been free to be Chad's mistress and foot the bill with the money from spilled blood. JJ and Tylee could have been with us living happy lives. (laughs) Instead, she took all that away, all because she is a money-hungry, power-mongering monster. And I will only have the precious memories to cling to. Now memories are how I feel the love I so desperately miss due to the heinous acts of his mother, the deplorable woman that chose to be his mother, the woman that five years earlier made the conscious decision to stand in front of a judge and swore to provide for, care, love, and protect him. You know, to
2: Lauren Mathias, who has been covering this case since it started, I try not to say story because these are real people and real pain and real suffering you know when i'm listening to kate woodcock describing the children and and how precious they were they all all everybody that spoke tried to describe how disinterested Colt mom valley was during the proceedings how she acted like she was you know not even there, had such contempt for what was happening. And she did it again today. Did you notice her? She just like looking around, not paying any attention at all.
3: Slouching. She was slouching in her seat, looking down, wouldn't even make eye contact with anyone, wouldn't sit up straight, looked up, looked down. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. She's no different than she was in trial. That, By the way, that's the Lori Vallow you saw in trial for weeks. That's who we saw. That's who the jurors saw. That's what we saw. So that is who she is. How
2: would she react during trial when the description was being given of how her children were murdered? Did she sit there just like that?
3: She did. In fact, that was the day she actually fought to not be in court. She didn't think it was fair that she had to sit there. That, you know, maybe she was embarrassed. I don't know. We had to do a sidebar that lasted forever because she didn't want to sit through listening to her children's autopsy reports. She just didn't think that she needed to be there for that. And then when she came back out, yes, that is how she sat. She looked down and she sulked uh, the rest of the time. There were some tears, but you have to wonder what they were for. Were they for herself because she had to sit there and couldn't get away? Or were they for uh, the children she brutally murdered? I have a feeling it wasn't that.
2: Could you tell us again, Lauren, what you saw of the crime scene photos of the children.
3: Yeah, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And like I said, just, just today I talked to a juror that is in counseling because of it. But um, it, I, I, you know, there are things in your life that you'll never unsee and this is one of them. But I've been covering this case for three and a half years. I had heard what the children had gone through. I had heard some insider information and nothing could prepare me for what I saw. JJ bound with duct tape. And like I said, I'll bring it back. Like his, his, the duct tape around his mouth was the most upsetting to me because there's only one reason for that. There's only one reason, and it's to make sure he can't scream, you know, that, that to keep him quiet, that he knew what was going on, that he suffered, that they tortured him. That's the only reason for duct tape on the mouth, and I will never not see his little seven-year-old face there. And to think who did it to him, the people that were supposed to protect him. You know, Tylee's pelvis was the most intact thing of her entire body. And you could see what they called chop wounds and stab wounds in her pelvis. And and an anthropologist had to come into it, an anthropologist that does remains for, for ancient burial sites, That had to be the person that came in and testified about what Tylee Ryan went through. 16-year-old Tylee Ryan. And then they referred to finding her necklace that she was wearing that day. And the chop wounds and stab wounds in her pelvis that had nothing to do with dismembering her or getting rid of her. Why they were there, what they did to her, we'll never know. But that's just a hint of what she went through.
2: You know, Mark Tate, you are hearing Laura Mathias speaking. Uh, You can find her at her Hidden True Crimes On YouTube, Mark, you're hearing her describe how she spoke to some jurors. They had to go to therapy after sitting through this trial and learning what was done to these children and anything less than the maximum will be totally wrong. And I don't expect the judge to do that, but I don't know if you remember the case of Louise Woodward, the au pair convicted of killing baby Maddie Epen by... Shaking him, his shaking baby syndrome, and he was thrown to the ground. That judge, by the way, reduced, while he couldn't change her sentence under the law, he reduced the verdict. For instance, from, it would be like reducing it from murder one to voluntary, so he could sentence her to a much lesser sentence. It has happened. It has happened. And this judge could do that under the law. I don't think he will, but he could.
4: That would be amazing. You know, the, the, the case you were just speaking of, I think that um, there were some other things that affected that uh, as I recall, uh, in discussing that case that affected the judge and, and, and the input that they wanted to bring. And I think there was actually some notion that uh, the way the judge modified that that uh, the verdict was that uh, it allowed it, for there to be a possibility for parole. That ain't happening here. There's no parole uh, for this Vallow person. Uh, the, the evidence that has been put on at this trial, and, and even now the victim uh, impact statements of how the bodies were uh were uh it was overkill in order to, I suppose, and, and you know, the forensic pathologist can tell us uh, to uh, to speed decomposition of the body to so make it less likely they'll be found. The callousness of the text message from the, the husband, I guess his name is Chad, who said, I found a raccoon running in the yard and I shot him and he's buried in the pet cemetery and he was talking about a person. These types of things, and, 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 and Valo was part of all of that, and these types of things, I think, go to so exacerbate the level uh, of, of hate in this crime, the level of fear that that this lady uh, put on those around her. In fact, if someone said she's a serial killer, she is a serial killer. Uh, and I think that you know, there's not going to be any commutation of a sentence. There's not going to be any lesser included offense, which is, I think, one of the things that you may have been worried about when you heard about a grand theft charge. Uh, but that exactly is why they did that, because it allowed them to argue that the motive was greed uh, because they can say, Judge, you know, this goes to the greed and the grand theft uh, grand theft argument, and that allows them to open the door into all of the life insurance claims uh, that were existing with regard to, you know, the death of the other folks. So, no, there's not going to be any commutation of a sentence. There's not going to be any uh, lesser sentence. I believe that exactly what the state has asked for uh, is exactly what's warranted here. And I think I mean, it would almost be an abuse of discretion to see this judge issue anything less than the absolute maximum that he could.
2: Well, absolutely. But he does have that power. Guys, we are live in an Idaho courtroom bringing you the latest and cult mom Lori Vallow sentencing. The life without possibility of parole is on the table. That is what the state is demanding. Who knows? what machinations are going on behind the scenes right now because we hear the cult mom, Lori Vallow, may actually elocute, in other words, as a fancy word to say, speak in the courtroom. Now, she's not subjected to cross-examination at this juncture. She can say whatever she wants to, but I guarantee you that this case is going to be appealed. If she shows remorse, if she admits that, That will be weighed by the appellate court. Uh Uh-oh, I see movement. Guys, let's keep talking with each other while we can. I, I see what's happening in there. Okay, the defense attorney's already got his hanky out. He is sweating bullets in that courtroom. Okay, let's go in live. I think that they're about to bring in, Oh no, they're not because the judge is not on the bench. Can't do anything without the judge. So they're getting ready. Let's see if cult mom Lori Vallow is going to speak. Um, right, right now, now the courtroom is packed. packed. We, we can see, see that. that. Oh. Go ahead, jump in. Go hey, ahead, Nancy, jump in.
0: Chris, uh, it won't surprise me if she doesn't take, you know, the opportunity to, uh, you know, say at least something. Uh, it, it reminds me of Brandon Wilson, remember, who killed the little boy in the bathroom in Southern California. At his arraignment, he, he yelled out, you know, something that was just outrageous. But she's going to play it if she does, if she does choose. She's going to play it. She's going to play the victim. And, and that will tell us even more about how dangerous she is, in my opinion.
2: Now... It, 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 it's interesting that you say that, Chris McDonough, because she apparently is still in the throes like a newlywed with the prophet Chad Daybell. He seems mm-hmm. to want to distance himself from her. So I don't know that I see her throwing him under the bus right now uh, or yep. implicating herself in any way by showing remorse. Um I just don't see that coming from her, which leaves us with what does she have to say? I guess she could talk about uh, to you, Dr. Angie Arnold, all of her love for the children. All she could talk about, Dr. Angie, is possibly her love for her children. Uh, I how think she that, didn't really know
7: Tammy Daybell. You know what? I think we need to pay attention to when she's talking, Nancy. Let's pay attention to her the tone that she uses. I've in some of the things that I've listened to that she's done, she. She's very childlike. Let's let's watch for that. And I also am very interested in seeing how her counsel reacts to what she says, because I I feel like they're very there's no interaction between any of them. And they're they're sort of starting to separate themselves from her. Also, that's just how it appears to me. You know, oftentimes you still see the attorney interacting with his client. There's no interaction today. She's she's huddled back in a in a in a position and they are there. They've already started to distance th- themselves from her. So I think it'll also as much as what she's going to say, her tone of voice, how she says it, her eye contact or lack thereof and what and how they physically respond to what she's saying is all going to be very telling for us. we have got, got one camera mask.
2: trained on the go ahead.
4: No, I was just going to say, Nancy, you started to talk about what does she have to gain by talking? And I've been trying to piece through it. You know, she's been convicted, but you're exactly right, because she's got uh, lawyers who are going to wade through every piece of evidence admitted, every objection that they made at trial, the court's rulings, how the court commented on those rulings, uh, whether there should have been a mistrial. And they're going to appeal every single thing that they can. And so I, I think if I was her lawyer, uh, I would tell her that talking isn't a gay anything. She still has a right against self-incrimination and putting her talking. I mean, unless you can control her vocal cords and what comes out of them, I would tell her that it's my advice. You know, don't talk. You can't help yourself. You're convicted. And in you know times when I had the attorney-client privilege and no one could hear me talking to her, I would tell her, just shut up. You know, you you cannot help yourself. Silence is your friend. And I'm sure the detective who's also listening to me will probably agree. You know, very rarely does talking to the cops actually help you, if ever. So I would tell her to hush. I love
0: love where you're coming from because I'm loving the, the opportunity for her to get up there and say something. And what I'm also thinking is in the pod where Chad is, is he watching this? on tv today is he watching this program and going you know holy cow they're they're laying out a bunch of stuff and i'm next uh, so that's where i'm going and i i hope she does get up there and start chattering away
2: hey guys everyone's rising for the judge thank you to all of our awesome guests let's listen to the
6: judge All right, Ms. Vallow, before I impose sentence, if you choose, you may address the court. This is known as the right of allocution, which permits you to make a statement on your own behalf or present any information in mitigation of the punishment for the crimes you've committed. And let me inquire at this time, do you wish to address this court? All right, very well, you may make your statement.
1: I would like to start by quoting John from the New Testament in the Bible. In John chapter 8, verse 7, Jesus says, He that is without sin among you, let him cast, first cast a stone at her. Then in verse 15, Jesus says, Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. Jesus knows me and Jesus understands me. I mourn with all of you who mourn, my children and Tammy. Jesus Christ knows the truth of what happened here. Jesus Christ knows that no one was murdered in this case. Accidental deaths happen. Suicides happen. Fatal side effects from medications happen. I have a different perspective in life because in 2002, when I was pregnant with Tylee, I died in the hospital while in labor with her. They tried to stop my labor. They put me on the table and they put something in my IV and I felt my spirit falling to the floor. I was standing near my pregnant body watching the doctors try to revive me, which took them a few minutes. In that time, My sister Stacy was standing to my left. I turned to hug her and was surprised that her spirit was as tangible as a physical body because I knew I was in spirit and she was in spirit. She said she needed to show me some things and we went to heaven. I later returned to my body. Because of this experience, I have access to heaven and the spirit world. Since then, I have had many communications from people now living in heaven, including my children, Tylee Ashland and Joshua Jackson, my sisters, Stacy and Lolly, my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents. I have had many communications with Jesus Christ, the savior of this world and our heavenly parents. I've had many angelic visitors have come and communicated with me and even manifested themselves to me. Because of these communications, I know for a fact that my children are happy and busy in the spirit world. Because of my communications with my friend, Tammy Daybell, I know that she is also very happy and extremely busy. I have always mourned the loss of my loved ones and I have lost many in this mortal world. However, I know them more than most people. I know where they are now and what they're doing. I know how wonderful heaven is and I'm homesick for it every single day. I know we all lived in heaven before we were born on earth and we were all adult spirits in the heavenly realm. We chose to come to earth as mortals. Heaven is more wonderful than you can possibly imagine. I do not fear death, but I look forward to it. I, do not, I did not want to return to my body when I was out of it. Even though my son Colby, who I adored more than anything, was only six years old at the time, and I was about to give birth to this new baby girl that I wanted so badly. I was a young mother and you would think I wouldn't want to leave my children. But as I stood in heaven, I did not want to go back. I thought they would be fine without me because I was peaceful and I was happy and I was home. But then I was told by Jesus that I needed to go back and complete things that I had covenanted or promised to do before I was born. This caused me a lot of distress because I knew heaven was my real home and I only wanted to be there. I was free from pain, emotional and physical, but then I was shown how I would help my children and others in the future. So ultimately I did agree to go back to my body. Kylie has visited me. She is happy and very busy. Tylee is free now from all the pains of her life. Tylee suffered horrible physical pain her whole life. I sat with Tylee in the hospital year (laughs) after year after year while she screamed in pain when the morphine wasn't even enough to take away the pain of her pancreatitis. I sat there while she cried and I held back her hair while she threw up and I am the only person on this earth who knows how much Tylee suffered in her life. She had pain every single day. She never felt good. Her body did not work right. And I don't know if that was from complications from me dying while she was being born or something else, but she had a very difficult life. She was sexually abused by her own biological father since she was three years old and she was forced by family court to go visit him for 10 years against her will. I fought for her in court. I protected her. I tried to protect her with my whole life. I tried to protect her. I worried about her every single day. Tyler had to get her GED because she couldn't go to school every day because she never felt good. She felt sick. Nobody knows this because Tylee, like myself, tries to put on a good front, tries to be a happy person, tries to have hope in life, tries to know that she's here for a purpose and that she has an eternal purpose to be on this earth. But I never stopped worrying about her. One of the times that Tylee came to me as a spirit after she died, she said, she commanded me and she said to me, stop worrying, mom, we are fine. She knows how I worry and how I miss her. The first time JJ visited me after he passed away, he put his arm around me and he said to me, you didn't do anything wrong, mom. I love you. And I know you loved me every minute of my life. JJ, JJ, Joshua Jackson, was an adult spirit. And he was very, very tall when he put his arm around me. (laughs) He is busy. He is engaged. He has jobs that he does there. And he is happy where he is. His life was short, but JJ's life was meaningful. JJ was a wonderful person and touched the lives of everyone. And I adored him every minute of his life. My eternal friend, Tammy Daybell, has visited me on several occasions. She came to bring me peace and comfort. And I know that she is extremely busy helping her family, especially her children and grandchildren. And I have a great love for Tammy. My beautiful children, Tylee Ashland and Joshua Jackson, rest safely this day in the arms of Jesus. <laughs> my wonderful friend, Tammy Daybell, rest safely this day in the arms of Jesus. And I look forward to the day when we are all reunited and I too will rest with them in the arms of my Jesus.
6: All right, Miss Fellow, thank you for your comments to the court. Let me ask you at this time, Ms. Vallow, are you fully satisfied with the representation you've received from your attorneys throughout this case? Thank you.
2: That ends the defense presentation, and now comes the sentencing.
6: All right, the court will. You just heard Kotlin-Moyne Vallow
2: reading her statement.
6: When I look at what the appropriate sentences should be for the conspiracy charges, at first I wondered if they should be as long of a term or serious as the substantive murder charges. However, what I've concluded is that these conspiracy convictions merit the same grave punishment for several reasons. First, the conspiracies in which you engaged in have had far reaching impacts on many people besides the deceased victims. And with what the courts heard, I am convinced that the conspiracy charges also merit the same serious sentence. So on count one, the conspiracy to commit first-degree murder of Tylee Ryan and grand theft by deception. You're sentenced to the custody of the State Board of Corrections to serve the maximum allowed sentence to fixed determinate term of life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. On count three, the conspiracy to commit first-degree murder of Joshua Jackson Vallow and grand theft by deception. You're sentenced to the custody of the State Board of Corrections to serve the maximum allowed sentence, a fixed determinate term of life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. And on count five, the conspiracy to commit the first degree murder of Tamara Tammy Daybell. You're sentenced to the custody of the State Board of Corrections to serve the maximum allowed sentence, a fixed determinate term of life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. Finally the court will address count 7 which is the charge of grand theft on that charge court is going to sentence you to a fixed determinate term of 5 years of prison followed by an indeterminate term of 5 years of prison for a total 10 year term of imprisonment on the grand theft then running counts concurrently would not serve the interests of justice because those crimes all need to be taken into account separately and distinctly and individually. And you need to be held accountable separately for each of the three murders. So on those counts, the court will run consecutively the count two murder of Tylee Ryan, consecutive to count four, the murder of Joshua Jackson Vallow, and count five will run consecutive to count two and four, a conspiracy to commit first degree murder of Tamara Tammy Daybell.
2: And we have a sentence. There will be three consecutive life without the possibility of parole for cult mom Lori Vallow and the murders of her children, JJ and and the wife of her now husband, the prophet, Chad Daybell. He based that reasoning on the fact that these were three separate murders at three separate times with three separate victims as opposed to one fell swoop of a murder where three victims were killed. Interestingly, Lori Vallow spoke out and allocated in court, which means she spoke before the judge. There was no right to cross-examine her. And she actually said in court, quote, I mourn with all of you, the victims. She Interestingly, and this may give us a peek into what Chad Daybell is going to claim in court, that there were accidental deaths, suicides, accidental deaths because of medications. Is that what she's telling herself what happened to her children? The court pointed out that she was on a beach in Hawaii dancing, a hula dance, with her new husband, knowing full well people were looking for her children who were found dismembered, and murdered on her new husband's property. We learned that she would not cooperate with a pre-sentence investigation that could have offered some mitigation. But most strikingly in my mind, cold mom Lori Vallow described speaking to her children now. And she stressed to the court that the children, JJ and Tylee, are, quote, happy and busy. In heaven. How dare she? How dare she say her murdered children are happy and busy in heaven as justification to lower or lessen her sentence in court? But oh, yes, she did. The judge was having none of it. Three life without parole to run consecutively. (laughs) Court adjourned. Goodbye, friend.
5: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier.